Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a theme park podcast. I'm Tom, and joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I missed you on the show last week, Josh. Uh, I was lost without you. I didn't know where I was, and uh, let's not do that again. Yeah, I mean, you're just getting uh, universal Marvel contract details wrong. I know, right? I've never felt so lost and ashamed, frankly. It was uh, a tough a tough low point in my theme park podcast career, career to be called out so savagely on social media about a perceived lack of essential knowledge. But I guess you know you've made it when you're getting called out on Twitter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, for those who uh, may not have listened last week, uh, we had... Uh, theme park journalist Carly Wiesel on the show to talk about Avengers Campus at Disneyland and the fact that 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 is meant to be opening this summer. I think it will probably not. Uh, As we will get to today, we're going to be talking about a few uh, interesting tidbits from uh, Disney and Universal and a couple of other parks about how they plan to navigate the coronavirus crisis and come out the other side. But um, yeah, as it stands, still set to open in July. And uh, yeah, she got to go a few weeks ago, probably feels like years ago at this point, to go and check out what they're doing and uh yeah reported back was kind enough to uh to chat to me last week and uh, yeah i thought there were some interesting details to come out of our conversation so if you missed it um go and have a listen i guess what did what did you think josh as uh as you were just a mere listener last week uh, what, really what did you make of episode. what carly had to share about or what did you make of the marvel the marvel details the hot scoops uh it's really interesting it's really interesting to hear that you know obviously uh, her take being uh, on site yeah it sounds sounds like it's going to be a really exciting location actually uh, i can't wait for it to actually be finished and open and to actually get a chance to go yeah sometime in 2036 i reckon um, yeah something like that yeah yeah uh on on the topic though of the uh the being called out brutally on twitter uh, i i will just stress that he did say uh Nice podcast about Marvel Campus, so he, he overall enjoyed it. But you yes. are hurting my head with a lack of knowledge on the <laughs> uh, famed Marvel theme park contract. I've edit, edited several articles about this for other theme park sites. Yes, it is complicated, but not as complicated as you guys made it. So I'd just like to put on record here my apology to uh, the uh, the complainant there. And uh, I will strive to be a better podcaster in future. Um, but hey ho! On the other on the other side of things, we did get another tweet, Josh, that just said, uh, "Just listen to it." Even more excited for Avengers Campus. That's what oh, we like a... to hear. Yeah, yeah. Never had so much uh, Twitter re- reaction to a to a podcast episode, given the fact that we only have about thirteen followers of the Park Rush account. <laughs> Uh, t- two responses from 13 followers when two of them are, are us. It's not bad going. It's a decent ratio, I feel. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that ratio. Uh, yeah, before we get into this week's news, I did, of course, try to stream some RCT3 this week. I don't know if anyone saw that. Well, I say I, I know full well that nobody saw it except you, Josh. I saw it, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the, the plan was to sort of do some streaming as a sort of um, pass the time during lockdown thing, but also sort of provide some form of behind the scenes glimpse into how the theme park video game review series gets done. But uh, it seems as though there were some technical issues. There are some other games on the list that we still need to play that might be yeah. fun to do on stream. So, uh, yeah, maybe we can get something going on that front that was actually OBS works. Was using? Uh, yeah, I think so. Some form of OBS. Streamlabs OBS, yeah. That's what I've got right, here yeah. installed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm no expert. Far from it. I have used it in the past, but it was quite some time ago. I'll, uh, I'll see about maybe hooking up OBS this weekend and giving it a go myself. Yes, because uh, most of the games still to be played uh, are, are, are on your end, I'm sorry to say. Um, ah, alas. Uh, alas, indeed. Although we will at least both be able to play Disneyland Adventures because that's on the <laughs> Xbox. So. What a dream. I, I, think it ha- I think it has co-op, Josh, just to make things even more exciting. Oh, boy. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll start getting into this sort of coronavirus news, I guess. I, I try to make, you know, I, I've been keen for the podcast to be a mostly coronavirus free zone because, you know, everyone's living living with it in some form every day. Uh, so the idea of talking about it on a thing podcast is a little bit depressing. But um, there have at least been some actual news lines about how the theme parks are kind of approaching the whole thing at this point. So we should probably talk about it a bit. But um, how have you been finding the lockdown, Josh? I've lost track of how many weeks it has now been. It's been a lot of weeks. It has been a lot of weeks. Um, It's been, God, yeah, Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks. Um, Yeah. I'm not not finding it too bad. A lot of... Box sets are getting watched. Uh, a lot of video games are getting played. Um, going on a lot more, you know, walks, you know, in the countryside, uh, which is nice. Well, I, I say countryside, you know, we ha- we have a heath nearby, so it's, it's still within the mandatory one hour. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's nice to just be out in nature uh, rather than in the big city yeah that i guess that's true there, there are some sort of i don't yeah, I, I feel weird describing them as upsides because you know uh when the downsides of a situation are that hundreds of people are dying every day can you really say that there are upsides but uh yeah i, I guess there are, there are some sort of strange yeah again i was about to say benefits that doesn't sound right either but yeah there, there are things you can learn to appreciate about uh, aspects of life that you'd maybe neglected until you were sort of forced to engage with them a little bit more. And yeah, going out for walks, I agree, has been quite nice to um, make that kind of part of your day almost, plan your day around a nice walk outside. But uh, yeah, I've also played a lot of video games. We did uh, try, I've, I mean, as of recording, Josh, just to uh, get myself feeling a bit down, I'd probably still be in bed uh, in, in another life because we would have just had a very long day yesterday at Hollywood Studios. Oh, boy. We were, I would have done Galaxy's Edge for the first time. Maybe we could have just done an episode where I was, I deluded myself into, <laughs> yes, I have been, and I could, I could be reporting back on how amazing Rise of the Resistance was and Runaway Railway and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, last thing did uh, not happen. It- in in an, in another two three weeks time when we're still doing this, uh, I think that's the point where cabin fever truly sets in, and we start pre- pretending to ourselves that we're in Florida. 
Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder if there will be a sort of national collective cabin fever at a point where people really start itching to go back out. You know, for certain things like it, it seems to me like people should be able to resist. You know, for some time still, the lure of something like a pub. I think most reasonable people would accept that the pub is probably going to be among the last things to reopen. But I, I'm seeing people slowly uh, on on social media get increasingly agitated and anxious about like their hair situation like I, I i need to get it cut i don't trust anyone in the house to do it that could be a serious problem but equally yeah. something needs to be done about this but i don't know <laughs> you know a, a salons a salons you know really don't jive with social distancing so they also feel like they'd be among the last things to reopen uh, <laughs> yeah no um there's two obviously two trains of thought here I think you can either leave it to grow long or you can shave it all off and I feel like if you shave it all off and in three weeks time it, the, the, we get to go outside again you're going to look like a complete idiot um, whereas if, yeah. it, if it lifts in three weeks I can just go down to the hairdressers and get mine cut that there's that that that's the ideal scenario, I think. I'm not yet at the point where I'm feeling that desperate, to be honest. I mean, my hair doesn't grow that long now anyway, so it's not really a huge issue for me anyway. But, yeah, it's more that I, I don't really see salons reopening for quite some time. I think no, I, I, that'll be again, among I the agree, last but... things to... Yeah. Um, uh, I guess, I guess there are, it's probably easier, actually, than something like a pub to sort of control who's coming in and how many people you've got in at one time. So, so maybe it's not as inconceivable as I thought to reopen them actually. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can um, book people in and that sort of thing. You can't really book in pubs as much. No. I mean, where I get my haircut is actually already sort of asking if people feel financially stable enough to basically put down an upfront payment and be like, pay for, you know, that value of haircuts going forward and you'll be among the oh, first wow. to get the call when they reopen. Like, it feels like they are planning for that exact scenario you just laid out of, yeah, we're going to have like one in, one out. So uh, being first on the list would have an actual benefit. Anyway, uh, think there's no hairdressing to be done at theme parks as far as I'm aware. No, wait, that's not true. That's not true at all, Tom. There Bipity was a Bipity Boutique on Main Street. Or, uh, no, yeah, the bar, there's an actual barber. It's not Bipity Boutique. That's different. That's the, the uh, girls getting dressed up in dresses and makeup and that sort of thing. But yeah, there is a barber's. Um, get your first haircut there. As a child, a lot of people do that. I've been hoping for a one day at Disney uh, episode about the barbers on Main Street, but they have so far not delivered. I'm sure yeah. there is uh, uh, f- stuff on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. Oh, j- what? Just about how it sort of operates and... Yeah, fair, fair. I might have to have a look at that. Uh, yeah, we we are sort of planning to do a sort of one day at Disney review, if you like, and and maybe something on the Imagineering story as well at some point. But um, yeah, that that may be a little further off in the distance. Uh, I mean, frankly, I might run out of time to do podcasts because I've just bought myself a uh, uh, a, a Lego project. Which um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm quite this. proud that I've taken. I'm quite proud that I've taken this long to buy something so stupid. You know, it, it would not at all have been beyond me to uh, to to break down far earlier in this lockdown process. But yeah, week five or six, whatever we're in, I, I have only just now bought a Lego project. Probably the first Lego project that I've bought myself in like 15 years the last lego thing i remember buying was the night bus from 
prison out of Azkaban. Sorry, I bought a knockoff uh, X-Wing uh, a few years back. Uh, po, I bought a knockoff version of Poe Dameron's uh, black X-Wing uh, made by <laughs> Lepin. <laughs> I thought you were at least going to say like Duplo or something, but no, Lepin. No, no, no. I don't know what that is. Well, Duplo is Lego for kids, basically, but Lepin is a sp- specifically like stolen the molds off of Lego uh, Chinese brand of knockoff Lego. Isn't there a more mainstream sort of Lego knockoff though, like Mega Blocks or something like that? Am I making that up? Uh, yeah, but they're more kid like, aren't they? I believe okay, Duplo fair. is Lego, but Mega Blocks are but big yes, blocks, got... and there's Playmobil, which is also similar but different. But Lepin is like literally an identical Chinese stolen from the factory uh, knockoff. Yeah, I got a I, Boba I, Fett yeah. collector's helmet to build, and it comes with a plinth that you also build, so you can put it on the plinth and make it look more. Uh, Artistic, I guess, make it look more like a piece of actual memorabilia. Uh, I think it's about seven hundred pieces, which is, you know, it's it's. I feel like seven hundred pieces. That's that's enough for it to be a, a little bit of a project, but not crazy like a, you know, Millennium Falcon. Which I must admit, <laughs> I, I think I, if, I, I, if I, I do it, I'll go thing, all in. Yeah, but it's six hundred and fifty pounds for the Millennium Falcon. Jesus, is it really? Well, I think there are a couple of different versions. There's one that is like far less complicated a build, has way fewer pieces, and is maybe you know a bit more uh, like your every man's Lego Millennium Falcon. I say, I mean that's two hundred pounds, so it's certainly not uh, a small purchase. But then there's like a you know the the real collector's edition. You know, you're a real man version of <laughs> the Lego Millennium yep. Falcon, which is. £650 uh, on John Lewis, anyway. Jesus. So, I remember when like, yeah, the Death they Star also, cost 350 quid. Yeah, and that they, was considered they, expensive. They do, a Star Des- they do a Star Destroyer as well for the same price as the uh, Falcon. I believe you could at one point get like the Super Star Destroyer, whatever they call it. Right. Um, like the really like the bigger one. Can you get the Star Destroyers with the... Um, Stupid Death Star guns on them, though. That's the real question. Oh, no. Because then you could sort of... You could build it and then put it in a box of just broken up bits of Lego and <laughs> lift it up on a string and, like, recreate the scene from The Rise of Skywalker where they break through the ice. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I haven't started Boba Fett yet. It's probably going to be... I think the weather takes it... The weather's been lovely, by the way. It's helped, actually, the last few days make it feel a bit like Florida. I've gone out and sunbathed. My legs are quite a nice shade of brown, but I've burnt my nose, so it's oh, I've, no. got, I've really got the authentic Florida look going here. It's like classic Tom in Florida look is basically nice brown legs and arms and then just a blotchy red mess of a face for some reason. <laughs> the face just responds completely differently to the sun. Uh, but, yeah, so I think the weather takes a bit of a turn in the coming days. It's not quite so sunny, so it might be a good time to sit indoors and make a day of Boba Fett. But my favourite part of it, about it is on the box it says 18+. Plus. And I, I have checked just to make sure I wasn't making myself look silly. That is that is actually an age guidance thing. So it, it is Lego for adults, apparently, Josh. Wow. We'll mm-hmm. see how I get on with that. 
we also made uh, French toast yesterday to kind of make it feel a bit like Florida, a bit like a theme park. Oh, Down, delightful. Made some French toast at home. It was quite, quite good. I uh, watched Pirates of the Caribbean in the evening, which holds up brilliantly, actually. That's still a great time. We, we watched, we were uh, in a bazaar. Dad had the remote um, and we were watching uh, Full Metal Jacket and Shaun of the Dead uh, at the same time. Uh, switching between the two which is a really bizarre uh that's pairing that's very strange why were you doing that has your dad not yet discovered the like record function or what whatever um <laughs> like, they were kind of getting ready to go to bed um i was getting prepared to sit down and watch the nfl draft so it was it, we weren't in a you know sit down and watch a film situation so right. my dad was just kind Fair of flicking enough. to pass the time yeah, there, there's some debate already as to whether we now we've started. Do we finish? Do do we go on? And because my my parents especially have got a vague memory even of the original sequels, Dead Man's Chest and At World's End, which I I would actually be kind of game for watching. I don't remember loving them, but I I think they're probably still fun enough. And I've never seen the fourth and fifth films, which are obviously meant to be atrocious. But I've now got this kind of yeah. morbid curiosity of making this a bit of a project. Like, let's shall we watch all five? We watched all nine Star Wars films, so yeah, that's true. Very recently, I must admit, yeah. you sort of chiming in in the group chat every now and then with where you were at, it did make me kind of. I got itchy feet a couple of times. Like, I, I only did this like four months ago, and the build up to episode nine. But I've really been liking the Mandalorian because I've been, we've been watching it. I've been watching it with my parents as it's come out on Disney Plus, so I've yeah. we haven't been binging it. So it's kind of kept it in my mind for the entire eight weeks uh, or seven weeks so far. And I've been really enjoying it. I've obviously bought this stupid Boba Fett. I've kind of been thinking I could I'm kind of in a bit of a Star Wars mood. I've seen a lot of a lot of hype for the ongoing final season of the Clone Wars show as well. So I'm thinking, man, should I get into that? Should I start watching the Clone Wars? Don't know. I've got Star Wars on the mind right now. Every time I think it's dead to me, it drags me back in. God damn it! <laughs> but uh, anyway, that baby Yoda, I, I want. I want one. You can buy them now, right? Uh, I don't. I still don't think actually they're widely available because you know Disney actually showed remarkable restraint in the marketing of the Mandalorian and didn't show off any of Baby Yoda. So when the show came out and everyone fell in love with Baby Yoda, there wasn't actually any proper good merch available because Disney maybe, you know, they'd obviously wanted to keep him a secret, but equally maybe hadn't anticipated how popular he'd be. So all of a sudden they were in a situation where they were having to, you know, ramp up mass production of loads of Baby Yoda merch. And I still don't think it's much of it is out, really. Uh, And obviously now with what's happening to the supply chains the world over, uh, I don't know exactly when... They will start hitting shelves, exactly. But I'm sure I will buy something very, very stupid to do with Baby Yoda when the time comes. You can uh, pre-order can... Baby Yoda uh, on not a sponsor, Zavi. Oh, yeah. How much is you... Baby Yoda on there? Uh, do you want the animatronic figure or the plush? Oh, let's go all out. Let's go all out. Okay, animatronic. the animatronic is £60. Pounds. £60? Pounds? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I thought you were going to say like hundreds of pounds. Uh, 60 pounds. Hasbro, Star Wars. That's um, not so bad. I could I could go for one of those. Uh, um, release date is 30th of November. Yeah. Wow, yeah. 
So that'll be even after season two. If season two is on schedule, because I think they have at least filmed season two, so it's whether or not they can get post-production done at home. But um, if they can, I think that's due out in September. So I guess you'd probably be looking at Baby Yoda merch hitting at the end of season two. I guess that would maybe make sense in the run-up to Christmas, if we're still allowed to see each other at Christmas. I don't know. There's a couple of cutouts you can get. You can get a couple cutout of him for £16, or the plush is £27. Oh, yeah. There's a... Animatronic figure. You can buy a Lego... Here's one for you, Tom. Lego Star Wars, the Mandalorian and the Child figure set. Obviously, the child, the name of Baby Yoda. There are some very... There are two here, Josh. There's one... I'm on it now. There's one one that's £449.99. Sideshow Collectibles, the Mandalorian... The child, life-size figure. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen a life-size uh, one. Yeah. And then there's another one. There's a life-size, but it's an action figure, and that's four six nine nine nine. Wow. He does look quite cool, though. He he does. Release date twenty eighth of February, twenty twenty one. That uh, yeah, that uh, that action figure is pretty incredible, actually. Yeah, he's he's. God damn it. So I guess in a way you see the benefit there of the fact that I think for the vast majority of of the Mandalorian, Baby Yoda is in fact a real life prop, a real life little puppet. So it's it's probably easier to to make you know lifelike looking merch. Uh, that's actually uh, one of my favourite a... parts about um, the Mandalorian is um, um, Herzog. Uh, they filmed it all with this prop, but then they were going to green screen him out of it. And use and like use an animated baby Yoda, um, and Werner Herzog right. called them cowards for not believing in the. <laughs> well, there's a stroke of stroke of genius there from him because it's like, yeah. I, I do think that you get so much more character out of him being a prop. Yeah, same. Uh, I I like how sort of you you like as much as he is convincing as a character you can also tell that he's a puppet and i kind of also like that i think that gives him more character and more yeah he just becomes more endearing the way he moves and i like i like it when he sort of gets chucked around and you can tell someone's just thrown like a toy across the scene <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or he gets knocked over or something it's great Someone in like in like a green motion capture suit has just come and kicked him, and then they've edited <laughs> him out. It's great, and and the theme tune is an absolute banger. That's the best TV show theme tune I've heard in quite some time. Yeah, that's stuck it's in my head good. for eight eight weeks. Anyway, Josh, it's only taken the best part of half an hour to get to the point. <laughs> uh, but like I said, I, I don't really like talking about the coronavirus, but I do think it's interesting some of the news lines that have been dropping out of Disney and Universal. Um, so I, th- I think we'll work... So all these um, lines are coming f- from Theme Park Insider, which everyone I'm sure is familiar with as a theme park news source. And I'll go um, from the, the oldest story of this batch that I've picked out here, and we'll go from there. So... First of all, in terms of Disneyland California, which I think was the first of the Disney and Universal parks in the US to shut, if if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they all happened in pretty quick succession, but I do think that was the first one to go. Yeah, um, California has been has probably been the most strict on all of that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think what's become apparent, and you know, 
please don't take this as a sign of disrespect uh, if you're from any of these parts of America. But I, I, you know, watching the news coverage, certainly over here, the impression you get is that people on the coasts are fairly sensible. And everyone in the middle is just absolutely insane uh, to varying degrees. Um, it's yeah. uh, it's, it's crazy. I would definitely put in that um, crazy uh, section. Yeah, unless you're within the purple lamppost, of course, it's safe there. Yes. Relatively. Uh, there are certainly probably plenty of uh, mad people uh, among the Disney, or within the Disney zone. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, governor of, the governor of California said, uh, I think at back end of last week at this point, uh, Gavin Newsom um, basically suggested that sort of mass gatherings are going to be completely off the cards for probably the rest of the year in some form which you know would we were talking earlier about Avengers Campus and and and, you know just disclaimer as if it really even needs to be said this is all sort of pretty small fry in the grand scheme of things oh when might a theme park reopen yeah clearly there are far bigger more important issues than than that but you know we're a theme park podcast I'm just just breaking it to you there uh but yeah the the idea of Disneyland California I know (laughs) Uh, I mean, to be fair, if this was the first time you'd listened and you got this far, you could be forgiven for thinking this was just a random, just directionless nonsense about whatever we fancy talking about. But, you know, it is meant to be about theme parks. Uh, But yes, um, if mass gatherings are being ruled out in California, let's say hypothetically that, that the worst case is right here and that the governor's prediction that they might be kind of off the cards for the rest of the year, certainly through the summer. What do you think Disney would do in that situation? And, and I guess you could throw Universal in that, into this as well. Do you think that they would try to reopen in a, in a manner that allows them to adhere to the new normal? Or do you think that they would say, well, this is just not feasible and, and just stay shut? If, and if it means all year, it means all year. What, what do you think they could and should do? Um, well, I think California stays shut the longest, but... Uh, like in terms of like in generally, I think in terms of all the parks in general, I think that uh, California and Paris are probably the ones that say shut the longest. Um, but in specifically about California, um, you know, I think uh, you have you'll be. I think they'll be doing a lot of um, temperature taking um, at mm. the uh, security, um, and all of the staff will obviously have to be checked as well. Um, and then I think they will, they will probably do some maths around it. I'd have thought and do like a, okay, you need six feet around you, so that's x amount of space. Like you know, um, how much is squared square footage per person? Do the maths on that, so you then have instead of uh, let's say instead of thirty thousand guests you can have in the park, you can only have ten thousand guests in a park. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to have to limit the capacity. In so, you know, if they were to reopen before there's sort of a vaccine, or you know, so long as there are you know still restrictions in place in society more widely, then yeah, yeah. I think parks will have to operate with a limited capacity, and also for the people that are in the parks, there are going to have to also be restrictions in terms of I think how close you get to people in the in the queues um i think you know the theater shows and those kind of things will probably have to you know operate in a way that means 
you know, leave at least a case. It will be basically the opposite of what they tell you to do right now, which is move all the way in, use all available space. It will now yeah. be like, stay the hell away, at least four seats between each group, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, I think you're talking like um, it's a small world, for example, being one family per boat, even. Yeah. Uh, and things like that, you know. Um, on a roller coaster, you would leave a carriage between each family or each group uh things mm. like that and, and and i guess you know you think of rides as well like um you know toy story mania for example and the the 3d any ride that has has you wear 3d glasses i mean are you going to want to be picking 3d glasses out of a bin that have been you know recycled throughout the day and put those on your face <laughs> you do it without uh, thinking you know. right now but no one's gonna. In, th- in theory, they're clean, no right? But, um, yeah, I guess so. But I, I do think plenty of people are just going to be a, a bit more skittish about it. And I think also, yeah, I think a lot of people idea will be of, apprehensive. Yeah, uh, you know, the idea you suggested there of sort of you know one group per boat on it's a small world. I guess in terms of um, the queue, uh, you know, it's less of an issue that you've slowed down the queue by doing that if there are less people in the park. But I suppose if you're having way less people in the park and having to operate in all these kinds of ways that inherently make being there and operating the park as well a less efficient process, uh, do you think Disney would even see see that as as a worthwhile compromise? You know, would they just rather stay shut at that point? Do you think, or would 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 they rather operate at that in at that kind of level? It's a, at, at some point it becomes a profit loss thing, right? Um, are they? Mm. Because they're they're taking a loss right now because the parks still have to be maintained, um, like security has to still be there. Um, they're still doing construction work on all the parks or maintenance work at the very least. Um, I know, you know, for example, Epcot has a lot of people maintaining all the um, what in, and all the parks actually, all of the gardens. So all of the gardening staff are still um, considered key workers, I believe, in the US. Um, Animal staff as well, of course. Animal sort staff, of animal of course, kingdom yeah. and the aquariums at Epcot. Yeah, they're definitely taking a loss right now. Um, we're, if opening the parks makes them make less of a loss, then they will do that, I'd have thought. Yeah, I guess so. But you, you, it's going to be interesting to see what the appetite kind of is for, you know, in terms of guests coming back. I think you'll, you'll certainly have some people who will be desperate to come back, but others who will be more skeptical about it from you know a health purely from a health perspective but then of course you have to factor in the economic side of it and the fact that people are going to have way less disposable income to uh, to go to a place like disney world do you think they would do anything if they're having to operate at this kind of level um do you think that they would up the prices to sort of say well look we've got way less people coming in this park or all these parks there has been some suggestion i know that i've seen that if disney disney world for example was to decide to reopen in some in some capacity that they might actually just keep epcot shut um because of the state of that park right now and they it would be more practical for them just to keep that one closed and and allow the the construction workers to to keep going you know in a, in a more relaxed uh, environment but yeah, it, it seems like you know the the idea of going to Disneyland or Disney World is obviously an expensive proposition at the best of times. But if you're going in this you know very compromised environment, it would seem even more expensive. Do you think that they would tinker with the prices at all? I guess the the difficulty is that it's maybe it's hard for them to lower the prices 
for a situation like this and then put them straight back up uh, at some point? Or, or would it be easier for them in a way to kind of up them for a period and then bring them back down? Or do you think they just stay the same? Uh, I don't think they change the prices personally. I think they keep them as they are. They're pretty. The parks fill out pretty easily anyway. Um, so if you reduce that number, if you could like say, let's say you third the number, um, I think you'll be absolutely fine filling that number. Um, keeping Epcot shut makes sense. Um, I've heard uh, that potentially they will... Uh, Disney World, for example, only allow hotel guests to go to the parks. Um, so if you're if you're not staying on site, then you won't be allowed to go to Disney World. Um, well, I guess annual pass holders will be allowed as well because of you know how their tickets yeah. work. Um, but if you're staying at Universal, if you're staying in a villa or something off Disney World, then you won't be allowed in. Um, which I guess kind of makes sense from Disney perspective because they make the most money off of people staying at the hotels and it means yeah, you and, have that natural limiter it, there as well. Yeah, exactly. They can have some better idea of where everyone's been. and um, They've all got magic bands I mean, at that point. Yeah, and it, you know, it sounds very uh, 1984 and a bit scary, but I guess, I don't know whether they would also say, well, look, if you're staying at one of our hotels, uh, you're basically locked in. <laughs> you can't... <laughs> Uh, you know, unless you're, if you're going somewhere else on property like, you know, Disney Springs or a park or golf or whatever, then yes, that's fine. But you can't, we're not letting people go anywhere else. Like maybe Disney would even put on, you know, free transport back to the airports and places like that. So basically, the only way you're leaving a Disney hotel is on a Disney bus or a Disney cab or, you know, they basically are able to know exactly where you've been and where you're going at all times and to know that no one is going off-site and maybe bringing the virus back from somewhere that Disney has no control over. I think the the water parks will stay shut. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also the swimming pools at the hotels, I'd imagine, would stay shut as well. Think of how much hot cash they could make, though, off of uh, special Disney masks. Oh, yeah, I mean... I can't believe it's not already a thing. Um, it must be at Tokyo, right? I mean, I don't want to imagine sort of cast, you know, massive. Uh, you know, I don't want to generalise stereotype uh, whatnot stereotype. That's what I'm looking for. But uh, yeah, obviously, wearing masks in uh, in the in in Asian countries is sort of far more. I say socially acceptable because it's not as if it's unacceptable elsewhere, but it's it's far more the norm over there. You know, they've been because so often they've been in closer proximity to you know v- virus outbreaks that have obviously never um, developed to the extent this one has. But you think back to something like SARS, which was also you know broke out in that part of the world and luckily didn't become as as awful as the situation is now. But I guess you know they have always had masks on hand probably just to make themselves feel a little bit safer and more at ease um yeah it'd be interesting um, to see if that becomes you know the i'm sure you know i'm you know i won't be ashamed to admit that i've probably looked at people wearing the masks during my lifetime and thought why are you wearing a mask for it just seems so unnecessary but i do wonder if more and more of us will kind of just start wearing them or start bringing them out with us always having one in your coat pocket for the foreseeable future when things start going back to normal just to kind of keep your mind at ease and whether because of that they also become a new sort of normal at theme parks uh yeah i mean so obviously japan um famously uh 
if you are sick over there, you you wear a mask um, when you're out in public, um, which you know is a common common courtesy, I guess, to your fellow citizens. Um, I, which I quite like. I think it's quite a nice idea. Um, it's kind of an endearing sort of to the rest of society sort of thing. Um, obviously, us Westerners uh, are in it for ourselves a lot of the time, so don't care about other people getting it. Um, uh, yes, <laughs> but I think I think a lot of that you know that's obviously around you know other illnesses that are fairly common anyway. Uh, whereas, obviously, I think. Uh, we've got a like, bit more um, respect for other people in our surroundings due to this new one. Um, so maybe that, a lot of that could change. I think it's actually wouldn't be a bad idea to see people wearing masks when they're uh, ill, but still feel like they have to go to work. Um, people should, you know, be allowed to stay at home more uh, if they're ill, rather than feeling like they're, they're obliged to go to work. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um you know, talking about all this about, you know, what the theme parks could do uh, to kind of get through this. I do think it's important to remember that, you know, <laughs> there should be a limit, I think, to our sympathy for them, just in the sense that by all accounts that there are certainly uh, parts of the theme park workforce that I don't think have been treated particularly well uh as a result of this situation, you know, thousands of cast members at Disney specifically have been put on furlough. And I, I must admit, I didn't realise when I first saw that because uh, there seemed to be a lot of, you know, disgruntlement about it. And I, I didn't quite understand why until I found out that, that, you know, furlough means something very different in the US to what it does here. Um, where here, of course, you're still sort of guaranteed... Um, if not all uh, a good chunk of your income uh, whereas in america it's simply a case of well you know well you've still got your job when when it's back to normal but until then you're not getting paid so i'm sure there are plenty of people really struggling uh, as a result of this and maybe aren't being looked after in the way that perhaps they should be uh, obviously it's difficult for anyone you know including disney to have to contend with the kind of losses that this is going to inflict on their finances but equally uh, i'm sure and, and look you know people like bob Iger, bob chapek i believe have taken pay cuts but they will certainly still be um getting millions of dollars in in income while this is all going on uh, and the idea that while that happens a load of other people who keep the parks running day to day have got no income at all doesn't quite feel right to me so yeah I, I, I don't think we should sort of have unending sympathy for the situation Disney finds itself in I don't think some of the staff would uh, have been treated particularly brilliantly no yeah um, and it's another example of um, Disney not tre not necessarily treating its uh, park staff with the respect that they deserve um, obviously there's been history of staff members not getting paid enough um, so, you know sleeping in their cars and that sort of thing so um, it's a shame again um, yeah it's, yeah, you know. it's, it's it it's pretty messed up. Um, obviously, everything we've been talking about so far has been pretty hypothetical, pretty speculative. Uh, in terms of kind of concrete ideas or more concrete ideas of what the theme parks could look like as they try to emerge from this whole pandemic, I think that, you know, this, this will maybe give us the, the best insight for now, at least, into what they might be thinking. Universal Orlando 
sent out a survey to fans about what they might be up for in terms of coming back to the parks. And um, I thought this was interesting because, as you said earlier, in terms of California probably being among the last to reopen, and I think that's because at a state level, you know, the politicians there have taken this from the start far more seriously than other states in America. And uh, you get get the impression given that, for example, the governor of the Florida of Gov... The Florida of the governor of Florida has uh, allowed WWE to keep rolling because he sees it as kind of an essential service, and people can't cope with just watching reruns. <laughs> and of course, as well, Disney World is an enormous employer in Florida, a far bigger employer in Florida than Disneyland is in California. So you know, you can also, if you wanted to be a little more reasonable about it, you might understand why they're a little more desperate to get Disney World reopened in some capacity simply because of the amount of people that would be back in work as a result but you know my point being that i think the parks in orlando are maybe going to be a little bit more fast and loose when it comes to the timing of of reopening than somewhere in you know in california might be or as you said a, a theme park in europe might be yeah um so with that in mind, that's why I find this quite interesting, the fact that it is an Orlando resort that has sent out a survey. Um, so uh, this is a write-up done by Theme Park Insider, various uh people who received the survey got in touch with them seems like everyone got sent a slightly different version of the survey in terms of kind of ideas for what they would be up for when the park reopens and they've assembled a a list of some of the suggestions uh yeah i don't know what what you make of some of these i mean we require all guests to wear face masks do you think that would when we were talking about it it would be more of a sort of case by case if you want to wear a mask obviously you're more than welcome to what do you think of the idea of like enforcing a mask rule uh i i quite like it i think it's a good idea certainly certainly in the early early stage of this i think as it goes on uh you can start to relax that rule um as uh obviously as it as it develops um but i think early on i think that's the right thing to do um obviously we don't know when it's going to open but but we'll put you know you know the way the governor of florida is going it could open next week Um, (laughs) yeah so uh, absolutely all guests should wear face masks when it first opens um and as you know maybe you know we see a vaccination come on um earlier than currently expected um but from the get-go i think yeah that's a good good move which which universal characters do you think would make the best themed face masks um some of the superheroes are probably the obvious ones but i think like king kong might be quite fun make it look like the bottom half of your face is is king kong yeah. roaring um can, can thing we get one and retro, thing two probably get some retro ones but get the classic monsters i think you should get the classic monsters in there that would be <laughs> That would be good. Yeah, that would be good. Um, uh, and you, uh, yeah, I feel Popeye like they you could should get on there as well. Yeah, I feel like they should probably give you a free one, and then obviously you can collect. You can collect them all. It will be the pitch. Yeah, if you I, want I to think, buy extra. Oh, I think you should get a uh, a plain one, or like a a, uni- right. like a blue one with Universal on it, and then you yeah. can then buy the. Uh, character ones that's a yeah. that's a money making opportunity right there <laughs> I'd buy one <laughs> my mum <clears throat> has started making face masks so her latest craft project 
and oh, I'm, lovely. I'm we're putting putting orders in. If you can get some cool like Spider Man fabric, I'll, I'll have one. <laughs> uh, that could be good. Um, uh, another I, point here, and yeah. this one I think goes. Sorry, go ahead. I think uh, we were talking about getting them in Japan at Disneyland anyway, right? At Disneyland uh, Tokyo, Tokyo Disney. Uh, if they did them, just yeah. for the hell of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it goes without saying that that team members would wear them, um, security staff would wear them, uh, etc. Yeah, uh, makes perfect sense. temperature te- temperature checks. I think you know, as I said, uh, it feels like a long time ago now. But when I got back from Singapore in February, January, February, and had been to Universal, they did do your temperature check. Worked very. You know, it was very straightforward. It was just like at an airport. Just walk straight through it, instant results. I, I think that would get installed, goes without saying. I think there's an argument that you just keep those, you know, um, forever. I mean, if, yeah. if it's literally you walk in and it beeps, why not? Yeah, uh, um, I, I guess the only thing there is obviously Orlando is very hot and it's very humid, so you get hot quicker. Yeah, that's that's um, true. That's true. Like there you is- step out of the car and you start sweating, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, you know, if if the I, I think you know this theory is certainly still unproven that the idea that the virus dies or dies quicker in sort of humid, hot, humid conditions. But I think if that is the case, the best possible way probably to cure yourself of coronavirus, certainly better than injecting yourself with Dettol, <laughs> would be to probably just go and stand. I feel like there's a, a very specific part of the pavement outside Orlando International Airport when you when you step outside to go over to the yeah. go over the road towards the car park that is maybe the hottest place in all of Florida right there yeah and it, but it doesn't make any sense like it's not i think there's like probably the an element of that's the first so time yeah i mean that's pro- there's probably an element of that's the first time you probably have gone outside since you touched down you know yeah. in our in our case you've flown over from the uk where it was probably cold and miserable you've been on a plane you've then been in an air-conditioned airport and then and then you step outside for the first time in you know a dozen hours or more and it's really hot so that probably helps but i i, th- I still think yeah there is it really does hit you out there i think the virus might just drop dead instantly if you stepped out there it just it would be like shooting it in the head yeah <laughs> Um, other suggestions here which make a lot of sense to me and again I think that this might just end up accelerating a trend that was already happening in society in terms of getting rid of all cash payments not allowed anymore Uh, the the ones that seem a little more difficult to enforce in in terms of making it less practical to do stuff at the parks is you know like food and drink and you know think parks rely a lot on self-service and you know getting you in and out of food places very quickly i feel like those kind of eateries would be uh difficult to keep going really uh, and, and without yeah. changing the way they operate completely um i think parades as you know places where you're encouraging people to gather in large numbers at, at the same time it probably doesn't make any sense to keep those running Correct. um theatres you could argue could still go if you operate at a limited capacity and make sure everyone is very spaced out queues i think are going to be difficult like do you just do you put spots on the ground and say you know you've got to make sure you stay apart or do you do you go full-on virtual queuing and just completely change the way people 
wait for rides and you you just hang about or walk around the park and, and get a notification on your phone when it's time to yeah, head like, over uh, to the ride rather like than the Jimmy Fallon ride yeah and or, like what uh, Disney have started doing with Rise of the Resistance yes I think that might be the solution I don't know how um, you know how feasible that is one interesting um, thing on this list for me is the uh, closed indoor attractions and shows um, that leaves uh, Universal with not uh, a lot open to be honest <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think at that point you just don't reopen. Surely, um, I, mean, I mean, what's there's the, no point? Studios has Rip Ride the Rocket, rocket Rip Ride ro- Rip Ride Rocket. Yeah, uh, that's um, it, right? Is that yeah, it? Of, of the big ones? Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, you wouldn't open, would you? That's just pointless. Uh, yeah. Sign me up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think the the most you know the least feasible. Uh, parts of this survey are the idea of rapid covid tests upon arrival um yeah Um, and only allowing those with negative results to come in i mean yeah yeah of course in an ideal world yeah that's obviously that is exactly what you want you 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 effectively want the temperature scanner experience to uh or something close to that for knowing if you've got the virus but that is simply not a thing right now um anywhere in the world let alone in a theme park and theme parks will not be top of the list when it comes to prioritizing who has access to these rapid tests uh, there are far yeah, more important places to make sure these rapid tests are in place like but, you know hospitals um, but, i think um, if anyone has any you know money to throw about it's they're, they're one of them i was just thinking actually this the closing door attractions and shows what, how, what does that do to you to disney world because obviously basically that's I mean that's so the whole of Epcot can't open anyway under those rules because nothing is outside Mm. Um, Hollywood Studios you have Slinky Slinky yeah Uh, Magic Kingdom you have uh, Seven Dwarfs very very compromised Um, and you've got like Dumbo and you've got um, uh, the uh Goofy's flyer, Barnstormer. But, I mean, Barnstormer, the, the place yeah. to be, quite simply, if if that was to be a rule or something that was encouraged, would be, uh, you know, Bush Gardens would be the place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's mad, isn't it? Iron Gwazi would have been open by now, I think. Uh, sea World is actually pretty good as well, right? Yeah, um, um, yeah, they've got a few coasters, obviously. Speaking of SeaWorld, uh, another another line is that they have increased their uh, borrowing to try and ride this out. I mean, SeaWorld have obviously had enormous difficulties over the past sort of decade anyway in terms of flagging attendance because of the, the, the bad PR they've had after the Blackfish documentary. Yeah. felt like they'd started to sort of recover a bit because they've begun to sort of refocus and... Um, in, you know, attract more people to come because of the the new roller coasters that they've been adding, and they also, I think, were due to open a new roller coaster this year. So, yeah, they had started to kind of recover a little bit, but yeah, clearly this has come at a bad time for everyone. But I imagine uh, to an extent, especially Sea World, where the finances are much more fragile than they are at Disney and Universal. So. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess this, the thing you would say about Disney is that uh, in hindsight they've 
couldn't really have picked a better time for for them to launch their own streaming service that has provided them with some guaranteed income that you know they wouldn't have had if this had happened a year ago uh, uh yeah so that's something um, and- i suppose Another big issue that we've not even discussed here, and we shouldn't get into it because it's a big can of worms, but the whole concept and prospect of international travel seems, I mean, mad. I mean, the theme parks would seemingly be really only there for locals for some time because whether or not international travel is is allowed again and and even if it's encouraged again, I, I don't know. I feel like people would be quite skittish about it. But maybe not, because I guess what we also have found during all this is that until governments explicitly told people, you have to stay at home, plenty of people were willing to wing it until then and go to the pub and go to the park. Some people still are going to the park, etc. So, yeah, maybe I'm giving people too much credit. And in fact, as soon as flights do start again, people will very much be flocking straight to the airports and showing very little trepidation i think yeah, i would I think though so. i don't think i'd have much appetite to jump on a plane you know if the government told me in six weeks time yep yeah, we're opening flights again i'd be like no i'm all right i'm gonna i'm gonna ride it out a bit longer and see yeah, how this goes I, I think actually the plane part of that is the most daunting part mm. uh, obviously planes well known for spreading illness anyway uh, yes. due to the air recirculation I do wonder, though, I mean, the, the the situation has obviously become so desperate for airlines that I do wonder if they would all be more than happy to start running flights with restrictions in place, such as, you know, one family per row or leaving even leaving rows f- completely free and certainly leaving seats between people who aren't in the same groups and that kind of thing, because that is vastly preferable to just no flights at all which is basically the situation at the moment I I do think that they will probably be desperate enough to get people on their planes that they would be more than happy to operate at that kind of capacity I don't think they would necessarily be um, demanding that they can operate full flights because frankly you know let alone the passengers maybe not feeling great about that I don't think cabin crew would feel particularly comfortable about that either no I can't imagine Um, so so I think, you know, if and when international travel gets back up and running, surely that will also be at a very reduced level. Yeah. Um, partly because of demand, I don't think will immediately go through the roof, but also because, yeah, just for sort of health and safety reasons, it would be responsible to to keep people apart where possible. Um, but yeah, it's mad. And, and that's a lot of coronavirus chat, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not going anywhere anytime soon, unfortunately. But I, we have had a good few weeks here of not really talking about it at all on the podcast. And now, hopefully, that we've had a bit of a splurge, uh, we can now again go a good few weeks without talking about it. Uh, that that that's my hope anyway. And as I said, we do have some plans in terms of. Uh, episode topics for the weeks to come uh, some of the some good theme park content on the aforementioned disney plus that we would like to talk about now that we've uh, well i think you josh had sort of started watching it before i had but i'm starting to catch up so we'll be in a position to talk about one day at disney and uh the imagineering story and stuff like that yeah should be good uh, 
we've also got plenty of video games still to get through and uh, yeah I, I would quite like to get more guests on the show over the coming weeks and months so that's something I'm working towards also but uh, yeah and that that's it for this week I think um, all that's left to say really is that you can of course get in touch with the show on Twitter and Instagram although not much is going on on either of those right now but it is at Park Rush Podcast you can also email us podcast at parkrush.com you can find us on your favorite podcasting app and at parkrush.com and uh that's gonna do it i think josh i don't think you've, if you've got any final final thoughts or comments before we uh before we leave uh not a lot just uh, to say uh keep going everyone keep safe keep well Yes, and most importantly, stay indoors and do not, do not inject yourself with disinfectant. Until next week, goodbye. See ya.